we're looking out for this. We talk about it in we talk about it prenatally. It's mandatory. It's part of the package that they see our therapist for this reason. We have a really high rate of postpartum depression in America again. So it's a sleep deprivation, usually a lack of, of nutrition um, and community support. And those three things are, I mean, I can say that I feel very confident that that is the number one reason why we have such a high depression rate. You are listening to The Medicine Podcast. I am Mimi. What is up, everybody? This is Chase. So long story short, we were childhood sweethearts turned husband and wife in our early 20s. Despite following the mainstream script for happiness, we actually divorced for three years. Only to later reunite as soulmates with a brand new outlook on love, God, health, and the real medicines of the universe. If you find yourself wondering, is there more to this life, to health, to God, to love? Then you are in the exact right place. Consider this your bridge to expansion for body, mind, and relationships. We are uncovering and discovering with you. Let's go take the medicine. Hello, lovers. This is episode 149 with a very special guest who I've been waiting and salivating to interview for months. I'm solo today interviewing my new friend, Allison Tartari. Allison is a licensed midwife and the co-owner of Tourmaline Collective Birth and Wellness Center. She's a super badass, you guys. <laughs> okay, so did you know that in developed countries, when midwifery care increases, mortality rates of women birthing drastically decrease. This means that when there are more midwives supporting women giving birth, fewer women die. That's true facts right there. So why is this? Well, that's what we discuss today. Tourmaline Birth and Wellness Collective is a wellness center that offers holistic, evidence-based care for every stage of the pregnancy journey. Operated by a team of licensed midwives, Tourmaline offers prenatal, postpartum, and birth services alongside their wellness team of holistic practitioners like naturopaths, nutritionists, acupuncturists, herbalists, cranial sacral therapists, and pelvic floor therapists. I've personally known about Tourmaline for about a year now, and I am so above and beyond impressed with everything I've learned about their birthing center, the practitioners, and the services they offer. They really understand how to properly support women and their partners before, during, and after birth. And not just physically support, but also mentally and emotionally I am 100% going to choose tourmaline if slash when Chase and I ever decide to have a child. That's like the easiest decision I've ever made. <laughs> so I encourage you today to listen with an open mind. No matter what you chose personally for your birth scenario or what you think you'll choose in the future, this episode is just all about us as women feeling fully supported during this transformational stage in life and understanding all of our options. You can check out Tourmaline and all their info at birthcentersandiego.com. And they also partner with a nonprofit called Thrive Wellness Collective, which provides subsidized midwifery care to women in need. 
Just overall incredible people making our world a more beautiful place. And last thing before we jump in, if you feel at all moved by this conversation, please share it to your Instagram story or send it directly to someone you love. These conversations are really important and we appreciate your help so much in spreading this knowledge. Cheers and love. All right. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Medicine Podcast. My name is Mimi, and I am riding solo today with my new friend, Allison, of the Tourmaline Collective, which is a birthing center here in San Diego. And uh, I am so excited for this conversation. I feel like we've been planning this for months, and you're finally here. And uh, yeah, welcome to the Medicine. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here, too. This is going to be uh, an awesome conversation. We were talking for like 30 minutes <laughs> prior to even pushing record and it was finally like, okay, we got, we, we got, we got to push record here and get, get this down. Um, I have been fascinated by birth for the last, I would say year. And really, this is the first time in my life because I have, I'm 33, haven't not, a, I'm definitely not a mother. Mm -hmm. Um, and I haven't really felt any pulls towards learning about birth. And I usually follow my intuition on where do I feel like the next thing, what's the next thing that my, my soul, my intuition is leading me towards uh, learning about. And I've definitely felt that really strongly in, in the way of birth and pregnancy and how do I start supporting my body and my soul and my spirit now in my mind, certainly my partner, for whenever we do get there. So this has been um, really fun and fascinating for me to learn um, from doulas and um, listening to certain podcasts and I started to read conscious parenting books. And so I'm definitely immersing myself. So I'm, I'm really excited to um, go into some of these questions and, and hear your answers and hopefully give, you know, other, our listeners a good picture of midwifery mm -hmm. of tourmaline certainly but maybe maybe birthing centers um at large uh i know you can't speak for other birthing centers but i'm really excited to get into all of this it's it's going to be a really great conversation yeah me too thanks okay so the first question that we ask every guest on the medicine is what do you love in your life what aspect of your life do you love so much that you wish you could gift it to every human um, I would say there's a lot, it's, it was hard for me to, to just say one, but I would say it's my community. I think it's really important. Um, when we're talking to our clients, like community is really how we all survive. And mine personally comes from my community and God, my, my religious and spiritual beliefs. Um, it's really important and it's helped me through so many things, being a single mom through a divorce, mm. like I could go on and on, but if I could give that to everyone where they have that community and yeah. believing in something bigger than themselves, I would give that. Yeah. I think that that's huge. <coughs> and I definitely, um, have like a, a point in my life where I, started like reaching back to God, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I feel like everything in my life changed when I actually actively started interacting with God on a regular daily basis. I feel like it does change every aspect of your life. Um, and so I, I totally wholeheartedly agree. Um, there is something magical to having a connection with something that is higher than just your 
makes your relationships better, your friendships, your relationship to nature, your relationship to your body and to yourself. I think it really does like kind of trickle out and bleed out into every relationship when you're, when you're, when you have that. Yeah. We, and we talk about this with our clients a lot because it doesn't matter what your spiritual belief is Mm because it doesn't, it doesn't have to be God or community can come from anywhere. And we try to create that like for people that don't have it Um, and having a relationship with just the planet and the energy and the respect for that and the beautiful creations that we have all around us um, that can bring joy and love and just appreciation. It can change your viewpoint on, Mm -hmm. on things because we're all going through hard things. So just having a connection um, and community, I think is really, really important. Huge. Again. Yeah. Community. I was just talking about this yesterday. I feel like so many people feel lonely and alone, even if they are doing some level of self-development work Mm -hmm. and really trying to work on themselves and heal aspects of themselves. If you don't have a community, even like three or four Mm -hmm. people who are aligned and who can support you and do life with you to some degree, um, yeah, life can feel really lonely. And I, I definitely feel that here that we're I'm so blessed by this podcast and the people that we get to meet and uh, have long, meaningful conversations with because mm-hmm. I feel like with every interview and every interaction, our our community just keeps growing and it's it's truly nourishing. And it changes lives. I yes. know we're going to talk about this yeah. later, like how community, you know, at, at least in our, our practice, like how it affects outcomes and birth and it's yeah. huge. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. Let's get into the birth goods. Um, so I mentioned that you're a midwife from uh, Tourmaline Collective. Can you explain to myself and our listeners what, how did you get into midwifery? What was your path to, to getting here today with a, a birthing center? My story's not like a lot of people's. It's very random and I feel like it's my fourth life, honestly. Um, I have four children and uh, they're 14, 23, 28, and 30. And um, I started very young, so I had my first son at 17. Three of my children were born in hospital. (coughs) And my first one was born early. He was about six weeks early, and he was in the NICU for approximately three months. Mm, Wow. Here at Sharp before Mary Birch was built. Um, And... So at 17, experiencing that was a very unique experience. And there was things that he had a blood disorder. So he had a lot of immune issues and Mm. things that they wouldn't do, things they would recommend, like, which is odd, but they wouldn't circumcise him. They wouldn't give him any vaccines. There was things that we had to do a lot of research on because his body reacted differently. We're worried about how he'd react. And that led me to doing a lot of research at a very young age. Um, And then... So that's where, like, I started my learning process about the birth world and, um, like, food and holistic medicine. And then I gave birth to my second child. Everything was great. And then my third child, I had epidurals with all my kids. My third one, my epidural went wrong. There's a paper you sign when when the anesthesiologist comes in, which most people don't read. But, um... (laughs) And it says this could happen and it's the cerebral spinal fluid can leak out where they put the needle in, it can come out. And that's basically what your brain is floating in. You know, it's the fluid in your spine, your brain. So as that leaks out, it it causes a terrible headache. It's the worst Mm. pain I've ever had in my life. So it feels like your brain is on a stick and it takes about three weeks, I believe, (gasps) to 
regenerate. So they do something. They try to stop it fast. They do a blood patch where they take blood from your arm and they put it, they inject blood into that hole to try to create a scab. It didn't work. We had to do it three times for me. So I had to go to the hospital early postpartum with my baby and get that done. And it's very uncomfortable. Like tell, Mm. tell us when you feel pressure on your head, you know? So, so you I had that sick. headache for three weeks? For three weeks. And so oh I had to be on God. pain medication, and the baby was tired. <sighs> and then it, I got really bad mastitis. It was a really un, unenjoyable, yeah. <laughs> not enjoyable <laughs> experience. It was terrible. So later, there's a big gap. It was 10 years later when I got pregnant again. I was like, oh, so I'm never doing that again. Yeah. And I didn't have, I was not intending, oh, I need this natural birth. It wasn't that at all. But it was like, what are my other options? Sure. And when I started doing research, like when you're in the hospital, it's really hard to find um, support. And the statistics of people that give birth unmedicated in the hospital is really low. And also knowing, you know, when I had my epidural, I literally would roll into the hospital. My makeup's done. My hair's done. Got my epidural. And they're like, hey, it's time to push. That was my experience. That's not everyone's. But it was fairly easy. Mm -hmm. And I knew after researching and being much older that that would not be the case. So started attending birth classes and meetups and talking to women good and bad I wanted to hear like everything I wanted to know good stories of unmedicated out of hospital birth and then bad and that way I could I felt like I'd have full yeah you know like a real rounded education on that and the only I'm like so I have to do this not in a hospital mm-hmm. and um started taking birth classes going to yoga like making sure I was in the best shape of my life which was amazing like it fixed everything Hmm. I was so healthy it was crazy just being motivated to be in good shape when I gave birth Um, yeah so I gave birth at a local birth center and had an amazing experience in water Um, and I had a doula which I'd never heard of before which is funny Mm -hmm. to think (laughs) about I really didn't know what a doula was my sister had actually recommended it and my husband is from Brazil and it was a big conversation with him because in Brazil, it's like 95 to 98% elective cesarean rate. Oh, I've heard that. So they have a high mortality rate. Mm. Whenever you have hi- these higher intervention rates, you can have higher mortality rates mm-hmm. and worse outcomes. Um, so our community, you know, we had a lot of Brazilian friends, a Brazilian community. A, a lot of them were like, what are you doing? Yeah, this is like the opposite extreme of That's what... That's not safe. Like, yeah. So my husband, it took... He actually watched the business of being born was the first... Oh, thing yeah, he yeah, and after yeah. watching that, he was like, oh. <laughs> and he also loves water. He's a surfer. And he was like, that would be amazing for my son to be born in water. Yeah. You know, so so getting him on board took a little while. But um, ultimately, it was my decision. And I needed to feel safe and yeah. feel like it was the best for me and the baby. And so I had a wonderful experience. And after that, this is how my brain works. Mm-hmm. After that, I was like, oh, everyone needs to know yeah. about this. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I do. <laughs> It's kind of a lot, but I was a makeup artist for 27 years. That's what I did for work. Oh, wow. So I went from makeup artist and I did, I mentioned earlier, I had a nonprofit that I founded. I love music and we do music therapy. So that's, you know, into the holistic world, but my way, my source of income was makeup artistry and yeah, that's a leap. Then I decided to become a doula and start attending births. And then I started midwifery school at 39, 40. 39 or 40 and um yeah it was a lot but I knew I was not going to just I wanted to be a lactation consultant there were so many different parts of it I loved I was like but it's a lot of schooling to Mm -hmm. be a lactation consultant you have to take a a route to 
it's easiest like if you're an RN and then you oh, okay. extend your, your education. It's a lot of work. And I didn't have any of that education. So I was like, I'll be a midwife. Mm-hmm. And then I can practice all sorts of birth yeah. things. And then I can open a center. And that was my goal from the time I started. Wow. Was opening something similar to the birth center that I gave birth at. Um, because I had such a wonderful experience. And uh, the midwife that started it, which is Best Start. I'm going to say the name. Because the owner, Roberta, I remember talking to her at one of my postpartum visits. And she was... She said, um, well, we need more birth centers. She's like, open one. I'm like, it would be amazing to have one that has all the different practitioners in it. And she was that one statement. I was like, mm. oh, I should do it. Sometimes so. we just need someone we respect and love to give us permission yeah. to step onto a different path. Even if we know, like, this is for my soul. Like, mm-hmm. just having that one sentence of, like, you should do it. It's like, okay, yeah. I'm going to do it. Like, so it's I totally possible. get that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So, the... Tourmaline Collective opened up two years ago, like in the middle of the world blowing up. Yeah, right before (laughs) it exploded. Oh, wow. And it was really random because I was looking for office space for myself to start like a little practice. And I had my cohort, um, I went to Najoni Institute, a local midwifery school, and my cohort, um, one of the students, one of my, my cohort students was there um, and we had been talking we've done several projects together about what we would do after we graduate and she knew I did not want to practice alone it's a lot a mm-hmm. home birth midwife it's a, a lot yeah. on your body it's a lot on your relationships and I was like we need a team where we have time yeah. off so we created our little birth plan but it was just for school or our business plan sorry it was for school we had to turn this in as a project and then someone else that I had worked with my now partner Josie called one day because I had told her that this was my goal. And she's like, I saw this building and it's for rent. I was like, that's amazing. Like we should go look at it. And she kind of was like standoffish. She's like, I'm not going to do that. And I went like within 24 hours and met the guy and looked at it. And I called her and I talked to her. And then she, we called Moral, my other partner. I, I think like within three days, we're like, okay, we're going to do this. I'm Love not kidding. It, it was like you aligned. just had a feeling. Yeah. And it's hooked to Cafe of Life, which... My partner, Josie, sh- um, was real good friends, and she was the midwife for the owner of Cafe of Life, which is a chiropractic practice. And um, so it was like she works on babies, pregnant women, mm-hmm. families. Just made sense. So now we just share, basically That's share amazing. clients, and it's this amazing collective. Oh. That's just one part of it. We, yeah. have, we have a whole bunch more. But um, Stephanie, the owner of Cafe of Life, had told Josie about the building. So it's like I really believe like – Things aren't, they feel random, but they're not yeah. random. Like this yeah. worked out really well and it's an mm-hmm. amazing team. And we're so different, everyone. Like uh, the way we practice and, and our our strengths and the diversity in our personalities is g- exactly what you need. You need to find people that are good at what you're not good at. Yeah. And that's what we found. We're all so different. Love it. In a good way. Yeah. Yeah. You support each other. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's so amazing. What an incredible story. So we started it really quickly and then then COVID happened. Yeah. And but we, it, I mean, even a couple months later and like it, maybe it doesn't come together the way that it did. Obviously when the world is blowing up, there's so much unknown. What mm-hmm. is this virus, this, that, and the other, like that's divine timing. Yeah. It, <laughs> it really, really is. Are we presented our business plan, you know, to get our loan to start it and everything. And then the business plan really relied on the practitioners that we have in there as well. So everything changed. Like yeah. we got, we got open and then it was like crap. 
what are yeah. we going to do? We did get to stay open because we were a medical facility. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we got to practice legally. Um, and then it was pretty crazy because it became, we were worried that we weren't going to be busy enough or we didn't know how, and it was the opposite. Yeah, like you guys went. got more busy? So we had our first birth within three or four months of opening. Okay. I think it's three months, which normally someone comes into care. Uh-huh. And you get to know them good seven months or so, six, seven months. And then they have a baby. But this was like, bam, bam. Yeah. People were running from yeah. what they felt was scary and the unknown. And mm-hmm. all the policy changes in hospitals and really separation of yeah. families. Not being able to um, attend births together or attend visits, ultrasounds. And then the birth, of course, like doulas. All, a lot of your support people weren't allowed to be there. I mean, there was just so Which much. is like an, uh, my worst nightmare as a someone who's like thinking, just started to think about like, what do I want? What's my ideal birth scenario? Thinking about Chase, my partner in life, not being able to be there mm-hmm. with me, even if I was in a hospital setting, which I've never pictured myself, even if I was and I had to be there, like not having him, that mm-hmm. would crush my spirit. And I can't even imagine. I couldn't even like go there. So I can see why so many women were like, what are the other options? Yeah. And it, it's like opening the mind, like almost like being forced to open your mind a little bit and being pushed towards this other uh, avenue, these other options, which it's leading perfectly into my next question, because I would love to know for myself and also for people listening, what is the intake process like what's the onboarding for say I'm a a mother or I've just found out that I'm pregnant and I'm uh, you know I'm like 75% sure that this is you know going to tourmaline I've looked at your website I've looked at your Instagram and maybe someone recommended I'm like almost there Mm -hmm. um what is that intake process like like how are you opening up your arms to a new mom and then kind of in that question is when is it ideal for a woman to to find tourmaline this has been especially because of when we opened this intake process has been evolving okay because when we opened it was we'd all been practicing midwifery at other birth centers um before and so the intake form was pretty you know like making sure you're low risk that was the Mm -hmm. priority um and that you fit into the parameters like our scope of practice which is low risk women so no pre-existing conditions um but that, that being said, like, it's really important, but with COVID, it turned into more of like an emotional mm. intake, really, because we had people running from one s- more scary thing to something that seemed less scary. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily the best reason to give birth out of hospital. Our yeah. culture, it's only 2% of people that give birth out of hospital. Wow. Um, really really small I have all these stats I was reviewing yeah sitting here I'm like <laughs> it's insane once you look at it again like very few people give birth out of hospital so it's not unless you've been raised and your mom gave birth that way and it's been in your family culture and you talk about it and birth is normal a lot of the times it's it takes a lot of education yeah. I know that sounds weird because we also t- midwives are like birth is normal it just birth happens you know but at the same time if our brain isn't there mm-hmm. our brain plays a huge part in birth yeah so if you don't feel safe safe truly and you're not educated on and have faith that that our bodies can do it and it is safer to give birth un 
you know, away from Western medicine um, and let physiological birth take place. If you don't really get that, yeah, then it can cause a lot of issues. So we found this out. So we started changing our pro- our intake process from looking at like just the physical aspects to having like we talk over an hour to our, however long it takes to be like why are, why do you want to give birth here? Mm, yeah, that's great. And if it's just I don't like the hospital and it's scary or my friend did it and it seemed amazing or I saw it on Instagram. Yeah. Which is really, we're fighting with that right now. We're struggling because um, social media is so huge and people will see something that they want to achieve. Mm -hmm. You know, I want that, but they don't see the whole story and they don't see what's behind it and Mm -hmm. what work it took to get there. And every woman is different and gives birth in a different way. So, <clears throat> we have people coming in they're like the center's beautiful this is what I want but then we go into why and what is your family history like what's your support what are you what are your what's your community think about what you're doing what does your partner feel like because we'll have women come in and their partner may not be on board and that plays a huge part as well because mm-hmm. if they have fear and they have doubts um she's gonna absorb that of course yeah. and not feel supported um if he doesn't trust the team if that partner doesn't trust the team we really we're like we we need to make sure this is a good a good fit for you and we'll talk about it in the beginning and then we'll talk about it again a few months later and then we definitely we have a 36 week visit where we do what we call a birth prep rewalk through and we'll talk about it again because they really need to be in a place where they're not like but what if yeah like that question that you're asking is really important but if people are still feeling that what if something goes wrong because what if something goes wrong in the hospital? But yeah. for some reason, I gave birth three times at hospital. I did not interview my OB. Yeah. I did not look at his stats. I did <laughs> not see if his license was in yeah. good standing. I didn't see his cesarean rate. And I didn't say, what if I hemorrhage? What are you going to do? Yeah. No one asked that. We mm-hmm. never interview OBs. We just put a lot of pressure on them, just expecting them to work magic. And if something goes wrong, it's just, oh, well, that's the risk of giving birth. But that's not how it is with midwifery hey friends by now you probably have picked up that chase and i are committed to living optimally healthy lives we are obsessed with small actions that have profound benefits for the entire body which is why i'm super excited to share the benefits of asia with you asia is classified as a cell signaling supplement meaning that it supports cellular regeneration and communication Our overall expression of health comes down to our individual cells and how they function. And with so many toxins, pesticides, and disruptors that unfortunately exist in our world, it's no wonder that the body starts to break down and express disease. We'd like to limit that disease expression if possible, and it is possible. ASEA is full of redox molecules. These redox molecules are the communication centers of your cells. We're born with redox molecules, but they steadily decrease over time. So ASEA redox comes in two different forms, used in different ways, but both have incredible capacity to help the body heal itself. There's a liquid and a gel. ASEA redox liquid is something we drink daily to increase our internal cellular communication and regeneration throughout the body. We've noticed that our digestion, sleep quality, and recovery after workouts has all improved. The gel is a topical product that can be used for pain or fast healing of injuries or skin issues. 
I personally use it on my face twice a day to promote smooth, nourished, clear skin. And honestly, my skin has never been softer or smoother in my life. I'm amazed. The gel also increases blood flow significantly. So TMI, but we love to use it before sex to increase blood flow and sensation. I won't get into all the details here, but wow, it really works. To learn more about how ASEA supports your entire body and see a full breakdown of uses, you can go to themedicine.com forward slash ASEA. That's A-S-E-A. Or you can just check the show notes, of course, for the direct link. We are committed to only sharing with you guys what has made a significant impact on our lives and overall well-being. Cheers to cellular health and cheers to ASEA. Okay, bye. Yeah, it's almost like you guys are pushing the the boulder uphill to like prove that there's legitimacy Mm -hmm. and that this system works for... I obviously I I don't I can't give numbers or stats or anything but I have yet to talk to someone or hear a story where they were totally on board and this is what they wanted like a home birth or a birthing center birth and hearing that it was a negative experience in some way I've never heard that but you hear the alternative a lot yeah we have so I have to say there are Negative experience, of course. The, this is one thing that we really, with the intake form, mm-hmm. we educate people. We let them that there's no guarantee. Yeah. Any, It doesn't matter where you give birth. I don't care if you decide to do it in the forest alone. <laughs> yeah. Like there's no guarantee anywhere. So right. the hospital, there's risks involved and you should know what they are. Mm-hmm. Out of hospital, home birth, birth center, there's going to be risks involved. There's no guarantee. Right. So you have to go in knowing that mm-hmm. because there are people that, have um I don't I don't know if it's the word negative but yeah that have unexpected birth, things birth happen. trauma the word yeah, is birth yeah, trauma yeah. so trauma from their birth because it didn't go the way they wanted um trauma because of it could be an emergency because we have mm-hmm. emergencies yeah that's mostly what we're trained for because birth does happen so midwives are trained if there is an emergency if there's mm-hmm. something out of normal how to we don't have any an OR <clears throat> we don't have an operating room we don't have blood transfusion so we're trained in how to handle these things right away um maternal the maternal mortality rate um i don't this is going away from the question i'm sorry that's okay but it's the highest in the united states than any other developed country Mm -hmm. so more women die in america um so that is our goal is to make sure that they're really aligned with midwifery care they understand that it really is less of a risk giving birth out of hospital because that you are creating um, a personal relationship. So when you get to know someone, it's really, we're working as a team. So you're not coming in to care with us and we're going to say, okay, you do this, 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 and this, which in the hospital, that was my experience. Like the doctor said, do this. I'm like, cool, let me do that. And it worked out great for me. Um, We don't do that. We need to make sure you have informed consent. You need to know this is standard of care. We offer this option. But there's also these options or you can decline, but we need to, they need to be educated in knowing the risk and benefits both ways. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot because people aren't used to that and can feel overwhelming. Yeah. We talk about nutrition a lot. We spend an hour in each visit with, with our clients. We talk about nutrition. So the intake will ask them like, 
about their nutrition, like right yeah. right off the bat. What is your, lifestyle, your lifestyle like? like yeah. What is your relationship like? Do you have a history of sexual abuse, eating disorders? Those are huge. And we yeah. hear, sadly, we hear that, yes, more often than no. Um, mm. And that intake then goes into, depending on their answers, goes into, okay, so if you were to come into care with us, this is what we would require. And we have a holistic therapist that works with us. We have a holistic nutritionist. I know you know her. Um, and we actually, it's part of the contract. Like you have to do co-care because we're not trained. What's co-care? Um, they have to be in care with a therapist mm. or a holistic nutritionist and a therapist, depending on if it's sexual abuse, oh, okay. uh, eating disorder, other types of trauma. So if they marked yes on... Or is this after we talk to them? So it's not just marking like the intake is not a form. It's a it's a interview. It's a verbal conversation starter. Conversation and we so it's really finding out about their support system, any trauma that they've had in their life. Of course, if they've given birth before their previous birth birth experience, if they're if they've had a cesarean, then we have to review their surgical reports, all their and and make sure that it's safe for them to give birth with us. But um, we're not trained psych psychiatrist or psychologist or therapist we don't know how to treat you know we're we're going to focus on what we really know in Mm -hmm. midwifery and if someone has an eating disorder then we're going to find someone that can specialize and help you with that because eating disorders even if they've been in the past they can yeah come up because you're gaining weight and you're eating for sure body image and yeah yeah Yeah. and relationships with food and nutrition so huge we can't yeah it can be dangerous right it can risk you out so the intake is a lot of stuff and it's not, it's, it's changed, like I said, through COVID because we have to make sure people are in the right space emotionally and their brain is there mm-hmm. um, and feels safe. Um, but it's, it's an interview. It's getting to yeah. know each other and seeing if it's a good partnership. Two way interview. It seems like both ways. And yeah. in just because they come into care doesn't mean it will necessarily stay that way. If at any point you can see that it, a midwife can see that it doesn't seem safe and that it's not a good match, mm-hmm. then we will talk about it again. Yeah. Because we care about them. Yeah. We yeah. want them to have a good experience. Yeah, that's great. But it is not always easy. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I can see how, I mean, even just how you're answering the question, there's a lot to it. I can see that you're emotionally invested in every woman that comes in and really trying to get to know them. And is this the best option for you? Not hey, how do we grow our revenue? It's, is this the best option mm-hmm. for you and for us mm-hmm. working together? And are we in alignment? And um, no, I think that that's great. You're getting to know them as individuals, as people. And uh, that's that's amazing. What is the, um, what's the ideal, if you could have every one of your clients come in, you know, right when they find out they're pregnant or is it pre-pregnancy? Like, again, I'm not, trying to have a baby but like I know that I want to eventually work with you guys Mm -hmm. I hope um is it ideal like hey me and my husband or me and my partner are actively trying to get pregnant I would love to interview you guys or have this two-way conversation or whatever before I even get pregnant or what is the ideal time yeah preconception okay but that's very rare yeah (laughs) with a lot of I mean we do we do a lot of preconception visits and it really so we're not necessarily going in and doing all this blood work and it's more of a, again, a conversation on lifestyle, things that they can do to prep. We will do blood work if, if there's um, 
like if someone's had repeated miscarriages mm. or if okay. they suffer from anemia or have any other nutrition is again such yeah. a huge part of this so you know doing a micronutrients panel or sending yeah. them to the nutritionist or working with our naturopathic doctor um, if they do have fertility issues but the biggest conversation is what they can do and what they can change in their lifestyle to prepare for pregnancy yeah um and talking about what it looks like, what pregnancy looks like. Because emotional work is really, really important. Mm-hmm. So being prepared emotionally to be pregnant and to be a parent should start before, if possible. Like yeah. I said, it's not always what happens. So the earlier we can meet people, the better. Um, built Because you're building rapport and building a relationship. Um, and it just creates better outcomes yeah. having that relationship. I can see how it would flow into nicely, like... Hey, you know, we're pregnant it, oh, and then you're already set on like, we know this is a good fit and we can start from day one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, you know, in the actual, you know, pregnancy, like what do we need to focus on now? I think that that's really great. We have a lot of late to cares. <clears throat> I'm sorry. We have a lot of women that come in late to care still. Oh, so what's, what's considered late? <sighs> like we have a client right now that just came in. She's 37 weeks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so we have that, that it actually is really common, but it's more work. It's playing catch up. Um, we definitely, we have them come in from um, visits closer together, like multiple visits to oh, yeah. get to know all the midwives and to really see if this is a good fit because not knowing someone and not knowing how to care for them, it yeah. does, it's a disservice to them too. Right. And I know a lot of people feel like it can be offensive saying, you know, I don't know if this is the yeah. right place for you. You can feel like you're being pushed away or, or neglected or judged. Yeah. Um, and we try to be really soft if, about it if if that is the case. But it's for the the benefit of the mom and the babies. Yeah. We want to make sure that it is safe for them to give birth yeah. there and that they're going to feel safe. Because going through a transfer can be just as traumatic, yeah. right? If you, if you think this is where you're going to give birth mm-hmm. or you're leaving the hospital late in care and you want to be here and give birth here and then they end up transferring anyways, that, like that's a lot to... Yeah. And we don't have control over that. And it happens, you know, transfers do happen. They have mm-hmm. to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that no, that, that's good. It gives me a good picture of, of what your guys's process is. Um, I, and I, I love how conscientious and how intentional you guys are just from the very beginning and even before the beginning. That's amazing. Um, we've already talked a little bit about possibly you know what makes tourmaline different than Mm -hmm. other birthing centers i would love to hear if there's any other um any other things that stand out as like core values to tourmaline that may be different than other birthing centers again not to elevate or sell tourmaline or anything like that but i just i'm curious about your core values um at tourmaline and what might be different than other birthing centers out there i think the thing that sets that makes us different i mean all we work you know we know all the midwives and the birth centers in our area um and we love them and i had a wonderful experience but after i gave birth my idea was oh if i had you know the reason it came together is if i had this this and this that would have been amazing like it was based off my birth experience and um so having the team like i said instead of having to refer out if we have someone that is severely anemic we have a naturopath that works with us we give iron infusions if needed in the center so we have a naturopath overseeing that we have a pelvic floor therapist which Mm. every woman should see a pelvic floor therapist we we encourage prenatal i mean 
preconception, like before you get wow. pregnant to see one and prenatal, we, we encourage them to see a pelvic floor therapist, especially if there's any issues, but just in general, like to get a baseline. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like making a mental checklist for myself <laughs> because we, we have a really different viewpoint on, this is a whole nother subject, exercise and what women's bodies are mm-hmm. supposed to look like and what we don't see, which is inside our yeah. pelvic floor, how that exercise affects it. Mm. And you'll go online and you'll see a, a very different information. Like this is a workout for pregnant moms. Yeah. But until you're there, the one watching the mom trying to push the baby out against a really dis, uh, tight pelvic floor oh, or yeah. has pelvic floor dysfunction, you'll have a different opinion. But mm. so we, we have a pelvic floor therapist in the center and they're in the center. So, are and we have the nutritionist we have the naturopathic doctor we have um holistic psychotherapist like all of these people are trained in prenatal care maternal care and they get to know our clients so when they walk in they might be coming to see us you know for their prenatal visit but they see Angela and they see Ashley and they see Teresa they see this team they get to know them they feel comfortable and you're building that community Mm -hmm. so instead of saying hey drive over there and go to this person and then go over there because there's so and it feels like a lot yeah I can going to all these different Mm -hmm. visits so it just makes it a little bit easier for mom creates community we also have a nonprofit that we started during COVID and which was really difficult as well so we're you know we're just getting back um, working on that and trying to get more funds but we have that there so if we have clients that cannot afford to give birth or they need to see one of the practitioners they're giving birth with us but it's like I can't afford to do all of this you know so we don't want to turn anyone away if they need this collective of care then they Mm -hmm. should they deserve it yeah and if it's going to help them have better outcomes then yeah they deserve it so Thrive is our nonprofit and that's um, one thing that sets us apart too is we want to make sure we want it to be a community center yeah community-based care um so we need that portion because not everyone can afford it because insurance doesn't cover this care most mm-hmm. insurances don't and even like we tried to work with care credit and they they cover plastic surgery and <laughs> veterinarians but they will not cover anything that has to do with wow. women's health or birth and we fought with them wow and we've like really added so now we have in-house financing and we like just finance our we just carry it and like make payment plans we just try to make sure everyone can get what they need yeah um so we can't we can't take insurance because it wouldn't allow us to meet with our clients an hour or more yeah. and do body work. And we also do home visits postpartum. So after they give birth, we go to their house for the first two weeks. Mm-hmm. And all of that doesn't work if you can't afford to pay the people to do it, right? Yeah. Like if you can't, if you don't have the time and funds. So we're doing everything a little bit different. It's working so far and it and we're always adjusting things, you know, as we grow, we're getting busier and busier, which is exciting. Um, but I think that's what sets us apart is yeah. just the model itself and yeah. having so many people in there that really are helping this one person in one location. Like it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's very interdisciplinary. It's like, really it's very, <laughs> it's, this is meta, but like very holistic mm-hmm. looking at like, how could a woman need support? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's, you know, provide this holistic practitioner and a therapist and an esthetician and a this and that. And I, I just love that approach. Um, it, it really seems like that you're, yeah, just like you said, like your experience was so great, but there were still things that would have made it even better. 
And, yeah. and it seems like that's kind of the, the template that you went off of. I know that um, another thing that sets you apart um, is the fact that you, that tourmaline uh, basically requires your mothers to have a doula. Mm-hmm. Can you go into that a little bit? Yeah. And that wasn't like easy in the beginning. We didn't start off that way. And, um, and we do do case by case. Like if there's a third time mom, you know, and she's done this out of hospital and unmedicated um, a third time mom that's given birth twice in hospital with an epidural, it's still like, this is a completely different yeah. experience. So we have done it both ways. So in the beginning we didn't require doulas, but we encouraged them. Then we started a doula collective. So we have, um, doulas coming together and we had some volunteer doulas. So with midwifery, like I said, it takes a, a community or a team or a tribe, right? It takes a lot of people and midwives need to be able to focus on the medical part of it like our medical training if something goes wrong we can't be with mm-hmm. in our in our model okay that's I'm not this is not a blanket statement because there are home birth midwives that they do practice this way but with us if we're having if we have 12 um births a month 8 to 12 then we can't be with a mom for 3 days you know like we mm-hmm. can't go early labor and support her which she does deserve that support And there's studies showing that there's better outcomes. So if they have the support early in labor from a doula, it does lower cesarean rates, it lower intervention rates, and even even death rates. So um, I went to New York last year to a conference. It was a doula event put on by something called Mama Glow. Amazing. Like the most amazing information. And the community was so beautiful. And it was just people getting up there talking about their experiences. It was mostly partners that had lost mm. their, um, the mom had passed away oh, okay. from a lack of care. And mm. so they were talking about the importance of doulas and midwifery care in general. And I came back from that. I was like, you guys, we need to stop like trying to convince people. We need to educate them, let them know why doulas are, part of, are a part of our team. And we need to yeah. make it mandatory because too many times, we had first time moms that would be laboring and dad's like, I can do it. You know, the partner is like, I, I can be that person for her, which we, it's so amazing to see someone that wants to be that. But after 24, 36, 48 hours, you need to sleep. Mm-hmm. You're human. You're not in labor. Yeah. You need to rest so that you can support yeah. this person. So we were having to call volunteer, like look for doulas in the middle of the night or mid labor, right. To give the partner a break. And it's, and that's not the best way to do it either. Like you don't have a relationship with that doula. You don't know him. So we put that in our policy and we have low cost and volunteer so that money should, you know, we don't want it to be a burden, Yeah. but we educate them on, you have a better chance, even out of hospital, having a doula statistics mm-hmm. are better because they go to your home. They go in early labor. They create a plan. Even if they don't stay, they normally meet with you early leave and then come back when it's, when you're in active labor. Um, and it, you're guiding the partner on how to support better. Mm-hmm. And even if they learned it at the birth education classes, which we also make mandatory, um, they're part of our carrots in the package. Um, even if they learn that information, now they're in the middle of 
of labor, they're seeing their partner, which can appear to be suffering or, you know, it can be yeah. scary. Yeah. I was just thinking all the unknowns that. can be scary. So a doula is there to help explain and support. And I was just thinking about that, that like, you know, I, I can imagine some dads, some partners that are like, I want to be, I want to be her partner. I want to be her, you know, her doodla. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I want to, I want to do that job. But I would guess like, especially for a first time dad, um, getting in that situation and seeing your partner in pain or going through this transformation process, it could be really scary for him. And like, that's probably hard to anticipate for most people, most dads and partners, like how they will behave or how they'll be feeling. And that could potentially uh, affect how they show up for their partner who's in need. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's how it is. And it, we always encourage, like we want the partner to be there. So a doula is not taking their place yeah. by any means. Uh, we talked about this on a, another podcast and there was several comments, negative comments about mm-hmm. like, I'm not, you know, I want my partner there. They are my number one support person and we don't need other people, which is true. And some people can labor like that and give birth just fine. Um, but especially first time parents, as you mentioned um, the having someone there to remind them how to show up and that this is normal, you know, this mm-hmm. all looks normal, knowing what normal is because doulas more than likely your doula has attended many more births than your partner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I would guess. And has worked with midwives and yeah. in and out of hospital, seen birth. And so they, it, it just kind of can bring a peace of mind. And our doulas, like, you know, some of them have a background in psychology, massage, um, nutrition like they all bring something different to the Mm. table so the interview process should start earlier we always recommend that you really you don't want to just feel pressured into picking one like interview them see if you like the sound of their voice you know yeah when you're in labor anything that bugs you is just going to be amplified (laughs) i can imagine so finding someone that if you want you know we even have someone that's training to be a doula that she's a chiropractor and so you want someone to adjust you in labor you know like there's finding someone that suits your needs and that feels like family and that you can trust and that you want to be in this circle and during a very intimate time Mm -hmm. it's important hey homie if you've listened to the medicine podcast for a while now you know that chase and i are extremely selective when it comes to the mushroom products we recommend This is because after years of researching the mushroom space, we honestly were disappointed to find out that the large majority of these products are diluted and bulked up with grain-based fillers, which led to us creating our own mushroom elixir, Mushy Love Cinnamon Swirl Latte. We were committed to formulating one that is delicious and high quality. One that has a clean organic ingredient list, no gut or hormone disruptors, absolutely zero fillers, and a hefty dose of pure medicinal mushrooms. Mushy Love Latte is the result. This is a blendable caffeine-free mushroom elixir with 500 milligrams each of incredible mushrooms, chaga and tremella. That is at least two to three times more mushrooms than other very popular mushroom brands out there to support your gut health, immunity, skin hydration, and beauty. Oh, and it tastes like a liquid cinnamon roll, y'all. 
Just blend one to two scoops with your favorite steamed milk and you have a delicious elixir that you can drink any time of day. You can also blend a scoop into your morning coffee as a creamer with a cinnamon swirl twist. To try Mushy Love Latte for yourself, go to getmushylove.com and use the code MEDICINE, M-E-D-I-C-I-N, for 10% off your subscription or one-time order. Again, getmushylove.com, use the code MEDICINE. Mushy Love is highest quality mushrooms and highest quality love. Enjoy. So we have zero reason to say you should not have a doula, but a million to say a doula would be um, beneficial. So that's how we made that decision. Yeah. It really seems like you're just doing your absolute best to set the mom and the, the couple up for success. Especially like, during COVID. Yeah. This is why, this honestly, the decision was made is we had a lot of people coming in the care that we were like, we're not sure if this is the best place, mm. but they're not risking, you know, it's not super clear yeah. that they shouldn't be here. So it's like, let's just make sure you have all the resources yeah. you need yeah. to make sure you feel safe. Because yeah. laboring at home a long time feels very scary. Mm-hmm. And you don't come to the birth center until you're in active labor. So we tri- triage you over the phone. We might bring them in and meet with them and then they might have to go home. Mm. Because okay. of this model of care, they can't, like, we have to be prepped and ready at any time for s- another client to come in mm. and labor. So we can't just keep people at the center unless they're in, a- in active labor. Yeah, that makes if, sense. If they're looking for that care, then home bir- ho- the home birth midwifery model is more for them. Because okay. we do s- find people that want to be with the midwives longer or want the experience of laboring at the center longer, which <coughs> we try to make it beautiful, and it is, and it's very comfortable. But that's like a tiny part of it. Like that is not the reason why you should be mm-hmm. giving birth out of hospitals because of the aesthetics yeah. of the center <laughs> yeah so did that answer your yeah, yeah yeah no that no that's great I, I I um I can definitely see the value in um you're covering the gaps like what mm-hmm. where do women in historically you know in the western model of care where are these gaps and how can we address them intentionally right to seal these cracks so that women don't fall through correct so i think that that's great um let's talk we we started talking a little bit about but i want to give you another chance um you know talking about the partner's role you you mentioned it a, a little bit um but how does tourmaline and the birth education team inspire dads and partners to be an empowered active participant in the birthing process Mm -hmm. because I think in our culture especially I don't know about other countries but you know you see on movies and tvs and sometimes that's the only (laughs) that's the only context we have for Mm -hmm. birth right what we see on you know soap operas and it's like so inaccurate and and um you know creates all these negative things associated to to birth um but you know there is this kind of air of oh you know the dad's kind of like nope that's her thing I'll let you do your thing and I'll be ready with the catcher's mitt type of deal like nonchalant almost um what does that look like like how how are you addressing this and inspiring the partners to 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 be an active empowered role the what you were talking about our culture like it has shifted a lot but I even my birth story that I have there's four girls, three, two that were born before me. I'm in the middle. Sorry. And I was the first one that my father went in the birth. Okay. So it was very normal. 
you know, I was born in 1974, but like it was very normal for men to be waiting outside yeah. and the baby be born and then the doctor to come out and mm -hmm. bring them in. So that still is here. And that's where that comes from. In the 50s, it was even more extreme, yeah. right? That's where that shift happened, where where it became more of like, oh, we need to be with an OB in the hospital. It was like in the 50s and <clears throat> men weren't really invited and it was almost like, oh, I don't want to see that. Yeah. But, you know, it's and still we see that sometimes, which can be, <laughs> it's not enjoyable to hear, but we're like, oh, I just don't want to see that happening to that area oh, of the body. Oh, yeah. But so it has shifted. And, and I think even in the, in the hospital, in a hospital birth, like they're inviting partners in, you know, they get them, they're trying to encourage them to be involved. And at the center, what we do is educate partners on how important it is, like, they need to be there like that they're they were there so even i want to i want to back up a little bit because we have all different we have all different scenarios so uh, we have a lot of single moms that will be in care and so their birthing partner may not be the parent mm -hmm. right the other parent but it's still really important like whoever is their support system to understand the role they're playing and how important it is to make that that birthing person feel um safe and supported in their decisions um and with, let's just talk about dads, like if the partner, the, the birthing, like this is the parent of the child, right? Yeah. The other one, like knowing that you were there when the, the child was made is really important. Like it took the two of you to be there and it shouldn't be much more. Everyone's different. But a lot of the times when we're talking about who's going to be in the room when the baby's born, we're like, well, it only took two of you to create this child. So you really need to think about like what everyone's part is going to be because sometimes mm -hmm. people want grandma there or other siblings and sometimes that works out amazing but a lot of the time it can be a distraction and the birthing person or the mom will be more worried about um, the reaction of those other yeah. people that are in the room. So we, we start with educating them that like you're the most important person here. Like you touching her is going to... Um, she's going to have a different reaction physically, physiologically than she will if I am doing hip compressions. Like it, it can, you mean if like my mom was in the room <coughs> and wanted to help and like doing the, what you're just talking about, hip compressions, yeah, like counter pressure, the partner touching the birthing person is going to have a different effect on them than anyone else. touching. Yeah. Them. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the time it can be different. So again, not blanket statement. Cause I know they're going to be people like, I didn't want yeah, my partner. There, there's outliers. When we see, uh, moms laboring, they crave their partner. Like yeah. they want their support. And we try to educate in the birth class. They talk about it specifically. Like you need to be there. Like they, she needs you there. Mm -hmm. There's a different like um, energy, energy and hormones that are released. The mm -hmm. love hormone, you know, she's yeah. not going to get that from her midwife touching her. Yeah. Yeah. Like support. Yeah. But her partner, you know, the love they have and this is their child. Um, and it even affects the baby, like the baby, knowing that the mom feels supported, having that partner there, it can help put the baby in a more relaxed state. Yeah. So it's, they just need to be there. Yeah. I mean, like, it's pretty yeah. simple. So what we do is we educate them on how they can be there. And, and we go over, we ask in the, in the 36 week visit, a lot of the time we'll talk about like, how do you see yourself being supported by your partner? Mm. We encourage them to have this conversation before labor. So he you know, the partner has a chance to say, I do not want to catch the baby, whatever. If he doesn't want, if they don't want to, it's fine because you don't want them to be doing something that they don't feel comfortable with or have nervous energy there. But talking about it ahead of time, I want to catch the baby. I don't, or 
How do you like to be touched? What words can I use to support you? What do you not want to hear? Um, and we encourage them to listen and not try to take over and control the birth because we do see some partners that are just doing it out of love and they're so enthusiastic, um, but they'll try to do instead too much of following <laughs> instead of following the lead of the birthing person they might try to like control it a little bit oh yeah yeah and that can be hard and that might there be their relationship outside but in yeah. labor like we really try to guide them on this is what will be this is what mm-hmm. will empower her this is what will um give her the the strength mm-hmm. to go through this because there's always a point in labor when you're going to hear a mom say, I can't do this anymore. I don't mm. think I've ever been to a labor that I didn't. Wow. Everyone says, I cannot do this anymore. <laughs> Everyone does. Wow. And so in, in educating the partner on that, that's normal. Yeah. And just, of course, we're going to respect her wishes. If she does, you know, if someone wants to transfer or thinks they can't do it anymore, we're going to remind them of their, why they're here. Yeah. And we're going to um, let them know that they're safe and that them, that her, that baby and mom are, you know, as far as medically, there's, their vitals are good like they're in a good position we're going to remind them of that and then a lot of the times they'll get over that hump but that's what the p- we talk to the partner about that you're going to see her when she's going to yeah. get to a point and say i can't do this just expect it to yeah happen. and know what to do after that so yeah. like, okay she, she said she wants to leave yeah you know like no let's if she does it's fine we're going to respect it but you want to make sure that they're prepared for that and that they know how to support them and maybe talk them down a little bit, you know, yeah. let's get in the tub for a little Remember while. Remember when we talked about better. this when yeah. you were pregnant and we, we knew that this would probably come yeah. up and this is what you asked me, you know, I like the, the dad or the partner, like showing up, like expecting that to happen. And then she, she hopefully will have already told him like, okay, if I say this, this is what I want. Mm-hmm. This is a, how I need your support. And this is what will help me in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see how that's a really valuable conversation ahead of time. Um, because yeah, I could see, you know, dad seeing his wife, he can't even imagine going through this and what, what the pain level is like or what the transformation process is like. And I could see how it'd be really easy to like, just give her whatever she wants, whatever, you know, yeah. whatever she says, like, let's yeah. do it. I just want her to be happy. I just want this to go well. Um, I can see how those conversations are really important ahead of time. And, and letting them know that they might hear like words I've never heard before <laughs> and they might be called a name and don't yeah. take it personally. Yeah. You know, that th- this is something we've, especially first time moms, like you don't know how they're going to react and to be okay with it yeah. and not get offended. Yeah. yeah. Even as a midwife, I feel like, okay, we know what why this in is birth happening. What happens in birth stays in birth. What's said during the birth process yes. stays in this room. I didn't mean any of it. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah, I can see that. Um, okay, so I do want to jump to a topic that could be potentially controversial. Um, I'm not a birth expert by any means. I'm learning right alongside all of the listeners here. Um, but learning what I have thus far, speaking to people like yourself and doulas and holistic OBGYN, I have a hard time believing that postpartum depression, what we've coined or the medical community has Mm -hmm. coined as postpartum depression is simply the fluctuation of hormones. Like some would, would say, um, what do you, I'm curious to hear from you. What do you think is actually going on when a mother experiences what we've termed postpartum depression? Um, so there's a lot of different, it's postpartum mood disorders is what, there's okay. kind of like a group and it can be postpartum depression or even postpartum psychosis. Okay. And they're really different. Um, and I'm not a, a psych, 
psychiatrist or, yeah. you know, a therapist either. But from what we've seen and how we support our, our clients is that a lot of the times, and we always, we're looking out for this. We talk about it in, we talk about it prenatally and we educate our clients. We, it's mandatory. It's part of the package that they see our therapist for this reason. She, it's like an introductory visit, right? She sees them and they get to know her face. They feel comfortable with her. They have a conversation. Some of them will come into care and see her throughout pregnancy. And some are like, it was great meeting you. But if anything happens postpartum, she makes, she does home visits as well. Mm. So, um, they know her and she, it won't be like a stranger coming in. She has a little bit of background on him because we see this so often. So th the reason I'm saying this is it's very, very common. Mm -hmm. And what we see is it's a lack of community postpartum. We have a really high rate of postpartum depression in America. Again, mm -hmm. very rarely bad statistics when it comes to yeah. women's health and maternal health uh, care. Um, so a lack of community, which means, you know, San Diego, we have a lot of military families. So maybe they don't have family here. Um, and we have a lot of people from all different areas of the world. This is an amazing, diverse city. But with that, they don't have an auntie, grandma, mom mm -hmm. there to help with baby or ha help with siblings or cooking the meals or cleaning or doing laundry. So a lot of the time, we also don't have a good system set up in America where I think we're the only developed country that doesn't have paid mandatory leave, paid yeah. time leave. So it's a sleep deprivation usually a lack of, of nutrition um, and community support. And those three things are... It's a recipe. I mean, <laughs> I can say that I feel very confident yeah. that that is the number one reason why we have such a high um, depression rate, mm -hmm. postpartum depression. Psychosis is different. So that is normally when there's an imbalance of hormones and normally uh, medication would be the first line of defense in there because it can be really dangerous, as you know. Mm -hmm. where mom hurts herself or, or baby. Um, and we've seen that though too. And it usually starts out here, right? And if you don't take care of it, then it can lead, it can worsen and it can turn into something dangerous. And also when people have depression, postpartum, like real postpartum depression, they're at higher risk of having postpartum psychosis with their next pregnancy. Mm. So all of this is really important to know and to pay attention to and make sure that people have the right support, which should be, we're also one of the uh, only countries that doesn't offer the home visit, home care. Mm -hmm. So postpartum home care. I was just reading all the stats of, you know, developed countries. So countries that have similar um, situations financially as the United States. And it's just a lack of caring for women. It this I'm going to read this stat to you really quick. Like mm -hmm. out of 1,000 live births, um, there's only for 1,000 women... There's 11 OBGYNs and four midwives mm. per thousand births. Wow. So if you look at that and compare it to, let's see, like Sweden, mm -hmm. there's 12 OBGYNs and 66 midwives wow. per thousand births. So I this wonder what their, their uh, stats are mortality amazing. rates. It's I have that too. It's much lower. It, I think it's half of what ours is. Wow. Oh um, my God. That speaks volumes. So with postpartum depression, the reason I'm bringing this up is that it's just a lack of care normally. Not always. There are times that it is a true hormonal imbalance. Yeah, sure. But that also, I mean, hormonal imbalances can be caused by excessive stress or mm -hmm. sleep deprivation or all those things. But yeah. um, 
if we had better care, more midwives, better um, relationships between the obstetrical world and, world and midwives, yeah, like that would benefit. But we need more. Like we just don't yeah. have enough in America. So yeah. OBs are taking care of the majority. Like I said earlier, only 2% are coming to midwives. So even if we have enough midwives here, we're not utilizing them, yeah. which we don't. We need more. Yeah. Um, so this is the reason why, is that we are not paying attention to women. Midwifery care puts an emphasis on relationship building, right? That In that way that they're, uh, they're able to address social and personal issues for mom, baby, and the, f and the family, entire mm -hmm. family. Like we work with people. It's not just mom. It might be that partner doesn't have a job. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, you really get into so yeah. much. It's like social, you're a glorified, you know, like a social worker. Yeah, I you can really see that. You really do. You have to know all of this. And we don't do it ourselves, but we're cr we have the resources. Sure. That's what we should have. And we're sending people or referring them to um, organizations or other practitioners that that can um, provide the support for them. And that's the difference between obstetrical care because obstetricians, they're trained in out of normal, what's not normal, and surgery, right? They need mm -hmm. to be, we need them. We cannot, we're really lucky to have emergency surgery, like trauma yeah. care. Like yeah. that's really important. Um, but they don't have time to get to know the client and what they need. Yeah. So someone might on paper look really good. Her vitals are great. Her blood count is great. You know, she hasn't had any pre-existing conditions, but then has a lot of emotional issues mm -hmm. or has a mental illness mm -hmm. or has been in an abu doesn't abusive have a relationship or is yeah. a single mom. I've had many clients come in and the first visit is usually a really emotional visit mm. because we have to get into this stuff. And we've had clients tell us like, my OB never asked me that. Mm. And it's not that they're bad and they don't want to. They don't have time. The average visit is like 12 minutes or something. Yeah. Or you don't Seven know what you don't know. Like if you, if you haven't have been to told ask. in medical school, like, you know, learning from Nathan Riley, uh, the holistic OBGYN, he, he talks a lot about this. Like he got really, really, really good at surgery in uh, in his medical school and because that's what OBGYNs are, you know, that's what they need to be really good at. And then they go into the birthing process wanting to use those skills. Um, and I'm not, I'm not demonizing it or anything like that. I know again, like that yeah. we need that skill set. It's mm -hmm. very important for them to be very, uh, very good at what they do with this, <laughs> with a scalpel. Right. But I think it's also an overused tool where I'm really good at this and I'm not really good at building relationships and knowing how to see where the baby's at by just feeling it. I wasn't trained that way. Like you just have, it seems like you guys just midwives and OBs have completely different skill sets based on what you learn in school. Mm -hmm. So of course he's not going to know he or she, the OB is not going to know exactly how to build the relationships and how to look for emotional trauma that maybe needs to be talked about before. Like it's just a completely different skill set. Well, even cause we have several OBs in, in San Diego that we refer to because we, they practice more holistically and we have faith in them. I've seen, I've, I was attending hospital births as a doula and I've seen them do really amazing things. So they're not trained that way, but also they don't have time. They're yeah. seeing, yeah. I don't know, I don't know how many more, but like I said, we have 12 births a month at our center, eight to 12 births, and that's a lot for us. We're busy. I can't imagine. Yeah. They probably have 12 a week or something. Yeah. So they don't have time to sit there yeah. and get to know you that way. And also, if you see something going out of normal, instead of saying, which is what 
midwives use is we use a lot of herbs. So mm-hmm. we're really, we, that's part of our education is herbs and homeopathy. And so we have a mom that her, maybe her blood pressure's going up. You know, we see a trend that her, her readings are going up a little bit. We'll use hops. Let's like, let's put her on hops right away and see if we can get this regulated. Um, and if it doesn't, then you know, it's the we need, we need to refer, but doctors don't have time to see yeah. if this works. And yeah. I totally understand that. Totally. But if we work together and we're seeing if we had more midwives and midwives were seeing the low risk people, which there are going to be people that risk out and they should, and we have that relationship where like, okay, this client is not safe. You need to go see the OB mm-hmm. or people that already have preexisting conditions are seeing the OB from the start. Like it would really, they yeah. wouldn't have to do unneeded surgeries. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have to do unneeded interventions and being inducing people yeah. so early because that's, these are all the things is they don't have time. And it's like, Hey, she's almost 40 weeks, you know, baby needs to come out for some yeah. reason or, or other. It's really confusing to us. Cause we, we know we, people can give birth with us at the birth center between 37 and 42 weeks. So that's yeah. the parameter. And if someone goes into labor before 37 weeks, we don't yeah, want to mess with that. Any, yeah. We don't know why they're coming early. Yeah. It might just, they might be full term at that point. Yeah. They might be fine. Um, so we don't really have strong feelings about that because we respect that and we're not trained in preemie care. Yeah. We don't have the equipment. So we're, that's really, I think every midwife feels pretty much the same. The other side of it though, where they have to give birth before 42 weeks, we see that come up all the time and it's heartbreaking mm. because people gestated all different at all different, um, in all different periods of time. And we do like BPPs, we do ultrasounds checking on the placenta that it's functioning, that baby's still growing and everything looks like it's good. So we do monitor the baby um, to make and, and the mom to make sure everything's good. But if they don't give birth by 42 weeks, we have to risk them out. They're not mm. allowed to give birth with us anymore at all. We do pick up postpartum care immediately and we can be on the phone with them, um, supporting them. But it's really hard because at 41 weeks, you see this change in mom's face mm. like now Hurry I'm 41 and one now I'm 41 and two now I'm 41 and three like yeah. it's a countdown yeah because people do give birth at 40 oh like the average mom gives birth first time mom over after 41 weeks so if that's the average birth why are we yeah talking about inducing at 39 40 weeks yeah yeah so to save there's so many statistics and studies like this is easy to look up if you look at the stats of how many babies die each week? So from 39 to 42 weeks. And it's a really minimal. Like I, I don't want to say the wrong numbers, so I'm not going to state the numbers. But it's like this many babies die at 39 weeks, which is a lower number. I think it's two, two or three. And um, if they stay in utero, then one more baby might die. You know, up to 42 weeks, it's a really small number. So to save the few that would pass away in utero, we have put these numbers on women that you need to give birth before this date mm. and it's out of every hundred thousand these numbers come so you have to mm. you have to do the research to really understand like why so even if you're giving birth in the hospital it should be like so why are you inducing me at yeah. 39 40 weeks why should baby come out because three babies out of hundreds of thousands pass away well so what can we do these are questions that you can ask like what what can we do to make sure 
that my baby is safe. And if babies, what if we wait a week? What if, you know? Yeah. Are like, there any indications that maybe my baby is at risk aside from just the time frame? Because mm-hmm. it's doing cookie cutter medicine is yeah. what it is. And it doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. Like we, you know, if you look at food, there's people that cannot eat shrimp, people that can't have kiwis, peanuts, they'll die. Yeah. So why we think that everyone needs or can take the same medication for this yeah. one thing or We're should so be individual. treated the same um, that her birth is going to be the same as everyone else's. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, we have to give individualized medical care. And that's where we're falling short in, yeah. in the United States. And there's a really interesting part. Uh, one of the studies I was reading, high, the World Health Organization listed that high-income countries with the lowest intervention rates have the best outcomes. And the lowest costs, mm. they... They've integrated midwifery-led care into their healthcare system, so they make these are m- the countries that make the most money. Mm-hmm. The, the ones that have the best outcomes are the ones that have integrated. They have the best outcomes and lowest cost to client. Mm. To we say clients, we don't say yeah. patients. Yeah, yeah. Um, have more midwives in those countries. Wow. So like it's just known. <laughs> it's so sad yeah. to me because I feel like we see the OBs that we love that we refer to and they're really overworked and they don't have enough support because mm. people are flooding to them yeah. once in the, in the holistic world. Once they know there's a good <laughs> yeah. one, everyone's going there. I'm sure. And I'm like, why don't we, you know, we would love to have an OB in our practice. We yeah. would love to have one. So we always put that out there. Like yeah. we're always looking for someone that's like-minded because we don't, we know we can't provide what they do, like what they do is very specialized. And we think that we have something that's very specialized yeah. too. We know we do. Yeah. It's a group, group effort. And yeah. Everyone has different skill set for sure. It's again, community. Like mm-hmm. it takes all different. We can't try to be everything to yeah. one person. Like we can't be everything. We have to find the people that are better mm-hmm. at that than we are and have more education and have more time and can offer those, that skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're definitely not anti-hospital or anti-doctor at all. Yeah. It's like, no, but how can we lower these stats? Because this is, mm-hmm. we see Outrageous. them, they've been there, they're only going up. Like, mm. their our rates are getting higher and higher and higher. We're like, so when is this going to change? When yeah. is someone going to see that we have women dying still in 2022 mm-hmm. in America? More than even some undeveloped countries, third world countries. It doesn't yeah, make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Well, I mean, you're definitely <laughs> doing your your part to to offset that as much as you can, and it takes conversations like this to uh, help people kind of wake up to the actual reality. Because someone listening right now pushed play because they're like, mm, I could learn about this, or you know, I'm curious about this, but they have all these preconceived notions about midwives, doulas, and home births, mm-hmm. or birthing center births, or just out of hospital births, and they're listening to you speak, and they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know any of this. What else don't I know? Like, mm-hmm. what else am I being fool- <laughs> fooled on, or what other preconceived notions are actually inaccurate, or whatever? So we're we're changing minds I don't want to necessarily say we're changing minds I want to say giving people more perspective widening their perspective yeah you're broadening their perspective to give them the opportunity to change their mind if they want to but it's like informed consent you don't know if you don't know what the alternatives are then it's not actually informed consent you're only choosing what's in front of you because you don't know that there's another option so this is the other option that I think Um, you know, you're obviously tourmaline is doing their part in like helping women and partners and just people in general see that there is another option. 
Hey friend, I have two questions for you. Do you eat animal protein? Do you want to help support the restoration of our Earth's soil? If you answered yes to both, then I invite you to look into Wild Pastures. This is Paleo Valley's sister company that offers a monthly subscription box that delivers affordable, pasture-raised, high-quality cuts of meat straight to your door. Wild Pastures animals are 100% pasture-raised by family farmers right here in the U.S. using rotational grazing practices that actually mimic nature. On pastures free from pesticides and herbicides, no synthetic fertilizers, hormones, or antibiotics are ever used. As a result, the animals are healthy and happy. So right now, for new customers who choose the Wild Pastures Plus subscription, you get 20% off for life. You get free shipping for life. You can choose your own order schedule every four weeks, six weeks, two months, or every three months. You get exclusive plus subscriber discounts, and there are no fees or hidden charges. As a Wild Pastures member, you receive the lowest prices possible on the highest quality cuts of meat delivered to your doorstep regularly. And if you don't want a membership, they also offer one-time deliveries. With Wild Pastures, you're not only supporting your family's health with the highest quality meat, you're also supporting our earth, our home. If we as consumers can create the demand for more regenerative farming practices, the industry will respond and we will be contributing to the health of future generations. To get 20% off for life and free shipping for life, just check the show notes for the direct link to get your first box all set up. Enjoy. Yeah, and even if they're giving birth in hospital, having this knowledge, like I said, go mm -hmm. in. We didn't talk about like emergency, our training, and what if something goes wrong. Yeah, I don't know if you were going to ask that, but that was something that that if they're giving birth in the hospital, we have people that come in and we do a long interview process with our with our clients, but we don't see people. And I didn't. I didn't go into my OB and, and interview him and I didn't ask yeah. about his statistics. Did we already talk? About no, we didn't. We was before. Right? Yeah. I kind of jumped around because, uh, because you had talked about, you know, emergencies happen and that you, there's no, like, there's no absolute risk free yeah, situation, yeah. but it, but I wanted to bring it up because it's really important. Like you should ask those questions about what if something goes wrong, Yeah. but you don't think to go ask an OB. So if I hemorrhage, what happens? Yeah. And then if there's D cells in the baby's heart, like what happens? What do you do? We don't ask that. We just, just believe oh, and put follow. faith that they'll do what is that necessary. That they've had the training to. Right. Make we don't them, know. Yeah. We don't know this information. So we, a lot of people, when we're interviewing, it's like, what if, and midwives are trained in two of the, the biggest things that we see is like shoulder dystocia mm -hmm. during the birth. So when baby's shoulder might get stuck under the pelvic bone shoulder dystocia we handle that very differently luckily there is midwives there are midwives now that are training in hospital like mary birch they know spinning babies and we have midwives teaching them that these movements can mm -hmm. help release the baby instead of having to do these really intense, uh, intense yeah. interventions um, if someone's hemorrhaging we have all the same medications in the hospital mm -hmm. so we have methogen cytotec um, pitocin we're trained in how to if we see something going wrong, how to stop it because we don't have an operating room. 
So we're very highly trained. We're licensed by the medical board. Um, and I think those that's important to know. Yeah. It's not just like, we like birth and we think yeah. it's cool and it's not a bunch of hippies that yeah. are dancing around in a circle in big yeah. skirts. I think that that's the misconception. And yeah. we, t- we talked about a little bit with Marissa when I interviewed her um, amazing doula and she, she enlightened us all on... It's not just, yeah, like you said, like just a bunch of flowery women Mm -hmm. holding hands and singing and hoping that the baby comes out fine. Like you are licensed medical professionals that have a lot of training and different training than an OB has. Um, And I, I, so thank you for bringing that up. Is there anything else that you want to add to that? Like what if question that I'm sure you get a lot? And we're constantly practicing these skills. So we're always, we're, it's not like we went through school and we were taught that. This is something we have workshops in the community. And I know in every state, midwives get together and they practice these skills. Neonatal, neonatal resuscitation is mm. huge. That's, you know, how to resuscitate a baby, how to resuscitate mom. We use oxygen, IV fluids. Like it's everything minus surgery is what we are trained in. And it's, you have to get the baby out safely and make sure that mom is stable. And we also don't wait until there's a train wreck. So if we see that there's something that's moving towards not normal, we're transferring. We call 911. There's no shame in that. We don't need to prove, we're not playing God. We're Mm -hmm. not trying to prove something. If it seems like now we need an intervention, then we're going to transfer before. We're not waiting till the last minute. At Mm -hmm. least that's how we practice. And the midwives in our community that I know, um, it's really important that we're, we know our client very well because in the hospital, if you don't know that person, you may not know their baseline. And I'm not talking about their vitals, their baseline in, in everything, the yeah. way emotionally, mental physical, health, yeah, how, yeah. They're, how they're feeling. And, and so we know our clients, we're getting to know them. If they say, I don't feel right, something's off. We listen to that. Even though I'm like, well, your blood pressure's fine. Like baby mm-hmm. sounds great. Something's wrong. Mm. We're like, okay, well, let's figure this out. Like, what is it? And we listen to them and we have done transfers before just based on what mom felt. Mm. And luckily we listened to her Yeah, because there was intervention needed that would, that had to take place in a hospital. Yeah. Even first time moms, there's that, hopefully that body intuition where it's like, they're connected. uh, I haven't done this before, but something is, is nudging me that, you know, this maybe isn't right or isn't, you know, what, what's should happen or yeah, that's so great. We encourage that prenatally I talk to clients about it all the time is really trusting your intuition as a parent so they come to midwives or OB or a pediatrician and I've raised four kids so I really feel strongly about this is you know more than any of us the books that we've read the schooling Mm. we've gone through your intuition is really important and I have sadly with my older kids like experience where I listen to other people instead of Mm. myself and they've suffered (laughs) because of my decisions and as I got older I'm like no I'm gonna I'd like you to please look at like I think this is what is wrong you know like please and usually parents are right so you have to trust even if you're a first-time parent you're a parent and that intuition comes with it the same thing with like breastfeeding a baby in bed moms normally unless you know we always say if there's a medication or something um, that could sedate them in any way, then that voids this. But there's this natural instinct to not roll over on your baby. Mm. I mean, in all countries, we see co-sleeping and breastfeeding and have the baby next to you. Mm-hmm. It's very, that's something that people are very scared of. I'm like, I don't know, what would you do if you didn't have Instagram? Yeah. If you weren't watching TV? <laughs> yeah. You know, if you weren't listening to every, yeah. all these horror stories, because things do happen. But 
usually there's a reason moms just have an intuition on how to care for their babies and they know you watch a mom catching her own baby and the midwives won't be saying anything they just know what to do like movements in labor you'll see them moving in a certain way you're like oh that's happening for a reason it's right primal now. she's helping that baby rotate or mm. so i just want parents to really take more control and know even from child to child that you might need to make different decisions so not mm -hmm. like we do this like our family does this yeah. no each child yeah. is their own individual and you need to intuitively like respect that connection and follow that mm -hmm. information because it can be life-saving and I've experienced that personally where yeah we could have been disastrous, you know, just listening. Well, I've, this is what I've seen. Let's try this. You know, no, you mm -hmm. have more information. And luckily, I, again, we have doctors that we can go to and ask for help. But you need to have information, too, and not just throw it all on them. Mm -hmm. Like, why are we yeah. giving that power to other people? Right. I don't. Yeah, it, I, I've always thought that, like, it's interesting in, in kind of Western medicine. I think it's shifting, but I still still think the predominant um, attitude towards doctors is like the doctor keeps me healthy. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the exact same as thinking that because you hired a personal trainer, they're going to keep you in shape. That's impossible. And it really takes something that we talk about on almost every single podcast episode in all different walks of life, depending on who we're talking to is taking ownership and, and stepping into the adult archetype mm -hmm. and taking ownership, not that you can control everything in your life, but taking ownership also is empowering. It can be scary because now the, the onus is on you. It's mm -hmm. on me. I, I own my situation, my circumstances and my, my outcomes because I am doing my best to make informed and empowered decisions, but it's, it's on me. But I think that we're, I, over the last two years, I have seen more people like taking ownership of their health and really asking questions, asking more questions and realizing that like, Oh, my health is on me. Mm -hmm. It's not on the doctor. And I think that this, uh, it also applies in pregnancy and birth is like, yes, there are things that are outside of your control, but there's, it seems like there's so much that you do have the capacity for positive impact, like with nutrition and mental health and community. Like mm -hmm. there's so many ways that you can support yourself in this ideal scenario that you, that you want to have with your birth experience. I believe the rates like 15% of like true high risk pregnancies. Mm. It's a pretty low amount. And I want to, again, if it's not the exact, but it's a lower amount around 15% of people, that community that midwives wouldn't even touch. So, okay. You know, the reason I'm saying that is you said it, the majority of you do have yeah. control over most of it. The majority yeah. of it. There are things that like health issues that are going to come up that there's nothing you can do about. But the majority of pregnancy, you really, it is you. It's mm -hmm. on that person, the pregnant person, having faith in the process and then taking control and educating themselves. Yeah. And knowing that what they put in their body is growing this baby. Yeah. Yeah. That's so huge. I'm and glad you guys focus on that. Oh, and it's blood that makes breast milk, right? So yeah. we're like, how do we build our blood? How do we stay healthy? Like all, it's really basic, like going back to basics. And that's what happened during COVID. Like the last couple of years, we see people homeschooling more out of, out of hospital births have jumped. You yeah. Know? We don't, 
we don't think it's going to stay there. It would be amazing, but yeah, it's led people. We can help. And in like people, college students, you know, families moving back in together, like families mm-hmm. moving back in together and never thought they would have to again. Yeah. So all these things were, were going back to basics and mm-hmm. it's cool because our education system has really, I've seen a lot of parents talking to parents, like take that, they feel like they have control of it finally mm-hmm. where it was before it was like, well, school, you know, the teachers, it's their job. They're like, Oh no, I guess it's mine. Yeah. I need to find the best way for my child to learn. So mm-hmm. it's the same thing with pregnancy and yeah, we just have that. We have more control than we think we do. Um, which actually this, this segues perfectly into my next question, jumping back into pregnancy, t- you know, we're speaking about taking ownership and, um, and, and really doing your part in, okay, how do I, how do I build my body? How do I support my mind and all of that? What, but ultimately like there is a lot of education and, and your priorities seem like they really need to be in the right place, um, to have this amazing birth experience. And I, unfortunately from what I see as priorities in our culture or as it relates to birth is researching the perfect stroller, making sure the nursery is on point and color coordinated, um, you know, having gender reveal parties, uh, you know, elaborate baby showers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What do you wish were more of a, was more of a priority for, we'll just start with pregnant women, because that's Mm -hmm. uh, obviously when a lot of the research happens and you're learning, you're educating yourself, hopefully, what do you wish was the priority or priorities for women? I, I think we would all agree that we see when we don't put a priority on pregnancy in general. And I, what I mean by that is we're working up until the last minute, which can be a financial thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they might not be able to afford to stop working ahead of time. Um, and we see that people in our society, in this country, we have to make our pregnancy work around yeah. the rest of our life. So even travel, like we don't want to slow down our travel. We don't want to, you know, in, or work or we feel obligated to bring family to visit, to meet the baby before making sure that mom and baby have bonded and that mm. breastfeeding is established. Um, yeah. And <coughs> the financial burden of what you're talking about, of all those things that we think we need, that plays a huge part in stress levels during pregnancy. So if people knew what they really needed, instead of putting money and effort into all these things that you were just talking about, it would be making sure that they have the help, like slowing down life Mm -hmm. and realizing that it is going to change and for a good reason. Mm -hmm. And everyone's life is different. So I don't mean that in a judgmental way. Like some people, it works fine for them to continue to do everything exactly the same with a newborn. But we do see that moms heal better. Babies are calmer. Breastfeeding goes easier if we make the pregnancy and birth and postpartum period the priority, like let's focus on this, what's happening instead of what we should be doing on the outside world. I remember postpartum going to get my taxes done two days after giving birth. Oh my gosh. I was very young and that was where me and my husband needed the tax return, right? We're like, we have to do it. Sitting in there. And I remember that feeling. And now being a midwife, I think about it all the time. I'm wow. like, what the crap was I doing? <laughs> It's so, but we see the same thing. Like, well, my mom's in town. She paid this much to fly here. They're only here for 10 days. They came earlier because my due date was 40 weeks, which 
we do tell people, like, don't bring people down before your due date because they might be sitting here for two weeks. Yeah. You know, and then your help is done. They sat there just yeah. watching TV waiting for the baby to come. That sounded rude, but you know what I mean? No, like no, no, no. They didn't get to, I love the realness. They we, didn't get to real. help. They didn't get to help with the postpartum part. So yeah. I would love if our body knows, if you look at breast milk, this is a good, this proves my point is breast milk changes daily mm. depending on what the baby's needs are. And if the baby has a virus, like the, the body senses it through the areola and will create antibodies to help wow. fight that. So if the body is daily making sure the baby gets what it needs, no matter what, like who are we to not pay attention to these things and yeah. slow down and realize that mom's, you know, body is doing all this. So we really, she needs to be the party. Baby's getting what they need if we're taking care of mom in the correct way. Mm -hmm. So if she's eating right, if she's resting, she shouldn't be going back to normal activities. We tell everyone that it's very rare that we see people actually follow that <laughs> advice but <laughs> what do you mean by normal activities like cleaning the house doing laundry mm -hmm. making meals yeah emotionally even like her they have little kids it's really difficult again yeah. if you don't have a community what are you going to do you have to take care of your family yeah so we offer to start meal trains for people we're like can we do that like you give us an email list it'll be from the midwives so it's not it doesn't look like you're asking for anything because mm -hmm. there's kind of a stigma like a lot not everyone likes asking for help yeah but um we offer that. We have postpartum doulas that will come. And I don't know if you know the difference between a birth doula and a postpartum doula. I don't doula. know. Yeah. Can you so go into that? A postpartum doula obviously comes postpartum, but they can help prepare meals. They help with breastfeeding. Mm. They come, a lot of people have them come in the night. So they actually wake up with the baby. Mm. And mm -hmm. during, because they want to be in a better place postpartum, which I understand, like you need more room. But it's really hard because yeah. you don't get to focus. Your your brain is all over the place and you're not connecting with the pregnancy. And physiologically, you see, we see a difference mm. in mom's health and how she, yeah, her birth, her labor. Is because it, it, she could be, she could be not viewing all these tasks and things and work as stress. To her, it could be just life. It you is. know, this is just my baseline. This is what I, this and is what I do every day. This I'm not stressed. It. Yeah. And I, yeah, if I don't do it, no one will. And so obviously that's where support comes in. And it's almost like you need to have a conversation <laughs> with your partner. That's like, this has to be my full-time job right here. And, and I'm pointing to my stomach for the listeners. Yeah. Like <laughs> this baby creating this human is now my full-time mm -hmm. job. Um, and then how do we orient the rest of our life or my job or this or that around this? So this is the priority. Well, people, and we have such strong women in our society and yeah, the amazing, that can multitask and do everything, you know? Mm -hmm. So a lot of the times they feel like, oh, he's doing everything. He's cleaning or he's been cooking. I feel, you know, they don't like asking yeah. for help, which I, I, I totally can relate to. But if you look at when our body's giving us signals like, well, every time we're doing a prenatal world, how are you feeling? Having a swelling, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I worked a long day. My feet were really swollen. But by the morning, it regulates and it's gone. So what is your body telling you? You're standing too long. Yeah. Or we'll go over their diet diary and we'll see women that are having s significant swelling or dizzy spells so often. Because it's, it's 80 to 100 grams of protein. 
a day that you need to bring in to take in, sorry, into your body to be able to thrive and grow a baby. We don't see people getting that. It's yeah. very, very rare. So, but we, we have clients that are really dedicated and they'll start eating that and you see the swelling go away. Like mm. my swelling's gone just from taking in enough protein because it's yeah. balancing out like nutrition can fix so many things, diabetes, yeah. anemia, hypertension. I mean, so many things. Yeah. So if you think about when our body's giving us those warning signals, but we have, we're still working or we needed to have that baby shower or go somewhere, yeah. you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's not us. It's not your midwives. It's like, just pay attention to your body and follow what it's telling yeah. you. Cause the things that people say are normal during pregnancy are common. They're not normal. Yeah. That's a good so distinction. Common is different than normal. Mm-hmm. Swelling means there's something, doesn't mean it's necessarily life threatening, but something's out of whack. Yeah, so. your body's speaking to you the only way that it can, which is manifesting in a symptom mm-hmm. where it's like we can we can just ignore it, but we're we're ignoring our, our body's con- only communication system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you want to add to that? I mean, that was great. That, the priority just and you it was a really simple answer, but it was there's a lot there just prioritizing the, the actual pregnancy. pregnancy, like paying, not just like I'm pregnant, I'm having a baby. Cause this is what we do. We're like, I'm pregnant, I'm going to have a baby. Mm-hmm. And I go to my doctor's appointments, but then everything else in life stays the same. Mm-hmm. It's really not the healthiest and you're not giving yourself the best chance of feeling good throughout your pregnancy and having a yeah. more um, healthy and enjoyable delivery or giving yeah. birth. I shouldn't say delivery, sorry, <laughs> um, birth experience. So yeah. That's my thing is just realizing that pregnancy is super important and it needs your attention. Mm-hmm. But and, and we don't know what we don't know. If a woman's never n- known that that's the ideal scenario mm-hmm. and she saw her mom and her sisters, maybe not her mom, <laughs> maybe her mom. I don't well, know. Hearing the story. Yeah. Of her mom, hearing her the story. story yeah. And yeah um, and her friends and yeah, it, it's, it's a deviation from the mainstream, which is always a, can be a little scary because it's, and, and you also have people asking you questions all the time and you feel like, I'm sure you need to like defend your position on X, Y, Z or why you're doing it this way or why you're not getting, you know, um, I don't know the certain medication that was experimental and being, you know, uh, advertised to, pregnant women and you know I don't Mm -hmm. know there's just so many things that I feel like pregnant women probably when they deviate from the mainstream that they you know feel like they have to defend and this is our normal so I want to clarify because uh, when I'm I'm sitting here thinking about what I'm saying but if you look in other countries or indigenous tribes or women working with that baby on their back all day and then taking care of their kids and you know working constantly they don't have the luxury of laying down for first 40 days, which is what we, that's one of something we were talking about earlier, but they also have more, they follow their, their pregnancy is not a scary thing to Mm -hmm. them. Like this is part of their culture where, yeah, it's a natural process. You're not seeing a doctor every day. You're not worried. You know, it's so in our culture, we have to create this space and yeah. make room. It's more of an emo. It's more of our brain mm-hmm. so that our body can work correctly. Cause if you already have faith in that and you are, like I said, in other countries where they, that's how they function. That's how they have to like for generations, they're out in the field working, they have a baby. They don't have the luxury of stopping that for months or weeks. Um, but their brain works very, very differently. Yeah. 
Yep. They're bringing trust to that process. There's not fear around it. And they do have midwives, a guarantee. Mm-hmm. And so they have their community that does help with those other things. Um, and so their brain being healthy and in a space where they trust the process makes a huge difference. Absolutely. So here, if you don't turn off those things that you're doing in life, if you don't make them like make a, a real clear effort to make them less of a priority and let your brain connect to your pregnancy, that's where we see mm. issues happening, yeah. where we see like dysfunctional labors or mm-hmm. imbalances in the body, stalled labors. Yeah. We see people worrying about other things during oh, labor yeah. and their minds like, oh, you're not ready to have this baby. Yeah. Because I- in nature, I've heard this before that like if there's an animal that's like mid birth and they, you know, they see a predator or they this, their body shuts down, they right? Stop and they, they stop. Run. Yeah. And so like I can see that for, for humans as well. If you're busy thinking about this or if you're stressed or even I would guess in even if you wanted to have the baby, you chose to have the baby in the hospital setting, but there's something that is, they're not listening to you, or maybe you're not getting the full array of like informed consent, or you just feel like you're out of control or you're, you're not, you're not being heard. Mm -hmm. I could see how that would be extra stress on the baby and and the mother for sure. Um, which also could that also like stall of course. Is that? <laughs> yeah, they def- know? that definitely in, in any, it doesn't matter where you're giving birth. Yeah. If you don't feel safe, if you don't feel connected, it can make it so that your labor won't progress. Yeah. Also receiving medications that um, numb that where you don't have that net. We were talking about your intuition and instinct mm-hmm. or your body, like the natural um, chemical process that happens, like j- starting from triggering labor, like labor starting, like once we give medications, then there's a disconnect, not even, so not feeling the urge to push. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. There's going to be, um, I want to say this, there's going to be, things are going to go wrong. Like if you don't feel the urge to push, of course, like, and if someone else is telling you, they have to go in there and say it's time, which I experienced. They had to tell me when to push. They tell me how to push, how long to push. You don't know these things. And did you even know if you were pushing? Like, could you tell? No, not like I couldn't feel the progress of the baby. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Like like you feel the baby moving down in in labor when you're not, when there's no medication. So no, with, with my epidurals, some doctors will give lighter epidurals. You can feel that pressure, Mm. which is really awesome because then your brain can release the hormones it needs to, to make this progress work. Um, oh, this is a huge subject. Like we could talk about it forever, but that is... So when you give those medications, you're, it's a disconnect. You're putting up a little yeah. wall where those, your brain isn't um, communicating with mm-hmm. your uterus. Yeah. And then they're in a position that's not necessarily ideal, mm-hmm. right, on their back. Normally. Yeah. We had an amazing hospital, a woman that went over 42 weeks and she gave birth in the hospital on her mm. hands and knees. Wow. In the bathroom. It was amazing. And her doula was there. <laughs> so they really advocated themselves and it took a lot of work to get to that yeah. point but it was really beautiful so wow. normally you are on your back yeah and I've been as a doula I've been there and it's easier for them to control birth can be messy mm-hmm. and if another person's in labor at the same time they don't have a lot of time to mm-hmm. it's, I understand I understand that part of it mm-hmm. I don't necessarily agree and I know it's not best but like you know why they do it yeah but laboring on your back like yeah, is not a- where and there's no animal no mammal in the world yeah. that does that on its own yeah like even women if they were in a room they're not going to lay on their back no their suffer. instincts is never going to tell them to get on their back I remember laying 
with my fourth when I went into the birth center, I remember laying on the bed for a second because the bed looked appealing because I was tired. I was like, oh, cr- no way. Like, you know instantly that is not where I need to be. It's so much more painful Oh, for me. It was super yeah. intense. You're like, back up. And, you know, whether it's squatting, hanging, it's usually an upright yeah. position because your body's using gravity. Yeah. And in long labors, we will put women down to rest you know, and do like positional spinning babies. Like we need you to be in this position for a little while to help baby be in more optimal position. Mm -hmm. Um, But usually they don't love it and it's painful. Yeah. It's intense. Yeah. And I've heard um, also Marissa said this to me and I think she got it from either a doula or a midwife that motion is lotion Mm -hmm. and helping the baby move down to where it needs to go. And that's like, you see instinctually mothers will just like rock their hips or move or want to be on a, Mm -hmm. you know, stability ball or on, you know, resting on their partner or whatever. I love that motion is lotion. And when you have an epidural in the hospital, if you have a good nurse, the nurse is coming in and flipping you and moving you because you have to move. Yeah. Like you have to move not only for the benefit of the distribution of the medication, but the, for baby's sake. And if they'll, they'll start seeing D cells in the baby, they put you on your other, on the other side because there needs to be a shift that's taking place Mm -hmm. because we don't see what's going on. Baby's not just coming out. Like look up a video of what the movements and the cardinal movements and the rotations of what's happening inside. Yeah. And it's amazing. I've never watched that. The only the only thing like when it really made sense to me is when I saw a breech birth happening because you see the movements taking place on the outside. Mm. So the baby's coming out and you see their body and they do they make these movements and every baby does the same thing. Huh. I'm like, that's what they're doing inside. We yeah. just don't see it. Yeah. So then the baby's hanging by its head and you see its body. <laughs> the baby is doing this and wow. wiggling itself out. And that's just instinct. Like yeah. that's, they're created so cool. to do that. It's insane. Yeah, I bet. And then they come out and you see the breast crawl. Like if you leave a ba- baby alone, yeah, they'll, they'll ev- like eventually find their way to the nipple. <laughs> it's all so weird. It <laughs> still freaks me out. It's and so I've magical. Seen it a million times, but... Yeah. It's really insane. And so we lose, we've lost that, you know, we should be amazed by it. Mm-hmm. We've lost the amazement and mm-hmm. we've turned it into this process. And we've pathologized like, it. Yeah. It's so sad. It is. But I'm really grateful for you and, and your midwives, your team, your your birth education team. And yeah, I mean, this is what we need more of and you're, and you're doing it. And so it's, I mean, I could talk to you all day. Like I could sit here for another two hours yeah. and just continue to, um, extract all the, the juicy gems and the magic yeah. from it's this process. Um, but is there, before I ask you the last question that we, uh, ask every guest on the medicine, um, is there, a, a resource that you think, whether it's a book or a podcast, um, that you think every woman who's pregnant or or wanting to get pregnant or trying to get pregnant, um, a resource that every woman could benefit from? Um, so the there's, I don't remember the names of all the stuff that we refer. We have a list of stuff and I'd love to share it with you later yeah. and you can post it. But just off the top of my head, there's two books that we always recommend because they're very basic and easy and everyone benefits and it's real food for pregnancy. And that talks about the benefit of nutrition. Mm -hmm. And there's even a version of the book that goes into gestational diabetes. Like that's one of the biggest reasons women risk out Mm -hmm. and it's very easily controlled. Yeah. Preventable. Yes. It's very sad. So that's really important. And then the first 40 days goes into the 
it talks about the importance of the postpartum period, like the 40 days is in um, Chinese medicine and different cultures. That's like the period of time where the mom should just be healing, bonding, being mm-hmm. fed. And there's certain types of foods they recommend, warming foods. It goes into that, like which types of foods are good during each um, week as as the body heals. Mm-hmm. Um, so those two books are easy reads and they're really Im- important information. Yeah. Because so much of pregnancy and birth is tied to our nutrition. It is. Not because every, <laughs> no one thinks that. No one thinks that. Yeah. You hear we eat more because we're hungry. I'm eating for two or eat what you're craving, which yeah. sometimes is true. But in yeah, sometimes we already you're have craving quarter pounders from McDonald's. Yeah, we <laughs> we already have like really terrible um, nutrition in America. Yeah, and obesity and diabetes and all yeah. these things. So you, we have to really take control and be like, I'm not going to follow that craving if it's some like you said yeah. a quarter pounder. <laughs> <laughs> not yes. that I don't have cravings sometimes. Sure. But yeah. It's just a way to prevent these things and treat them naturally yeah so real food for pregnancy and first 40 days mm-hmm. and then yeah if you wanted to to email me a list of can put, I can it. yeah and I, w- I can put that in the show notes you guys so make sure if you're interested in in uh, what allison is talking about or you want to learn more or just want to look up more resources for yourself check the show notes for sure where um where can people learn more about what you do in tourmaline collective um we our presence on instagram is wonderful so if they go on um, Instagram there's information about all the classes we offer um, and our services and then we also have a website which is terminalincollective.com okay um, so those two resources are great they can also just call the center and ask questions there's always mm-hmm. someone there during oh, business great. hours to answer um, and there's also information about our nonprofit on the website which I encourage people to to learn about because we really a lot of our clients will have such an amazing experience and they want to, you know, they ask like, how can I help? Like they want to share that experience with someone else. Mm -hmm. And so if there's anyone that would needs help, like would like to look at maybe money is the factor that they feel like they have to give birth in a certain place. Yeah. No one should, I don't think money should ever be the decide money or insurance should not be the deciding factor in where you're giving birth if it doesn't feel safe to you. So we have that resource available whether it's they want to donate or they need help, we'd love it's thrivewellnesscollective.org. Okay. Um, so yeah. And again, we'll put all the links in the show notes for people, but yeah, that's really great. Thank you for sharing that. Um, okay. Last question that we ask every guest on the medicine is, you know, we're all about creating conscious relationships in every aspect of life in spirituality with our partner, with ourselves, with movement, with our food. And so, um, we, we talk about these medicines and what is medicine currently for us, you know, not, not the typical type Mm -hmm. of prescription medicine, but what currently we'll, we'll look at the areas of body, mind, and relationship for you. What currently feels like medicine for your body right now for you personally oh this is easy yeah so music okay music is my medicine like I love that has been my my entire life like and it's so healing and amazing the vibrations of music mimic heartbeat like it can regulate respirations and yeah it I that's my big thing is music and then I love going and just being which I don't do enough of, but being in nature, like we live close to the water mm-hmm. and it's, again, it's that vibration and yeah. the energy of, yep. of being outside. But mm-hmm. music would be my, 
thing. What about for, would the answer be different for your mind? What feels like medicine for your mind? No, that's it. That's it. And what about for your relationship? It's mostly for my mind music. Okay. For my body would be exercise in nature. And then for my relationship. Yeah. (sighs) Which I need is just more time. Yeah. Like that's. (laughs) That's the biggest thing for a lot of us Mm -hmm. is quality time. Just being with them. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing fancy. Nothing special. No. Just. And and in that time, it's presence. It's carving out the time the same way we were talking about with moms. What we need them to do is carve out time for. Yeah. You need to make sure your relationship is a priority. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Oh my gosh, you are such an earth angel and I'm so glad to have met you and to get to have this conversation with you and blessing our listeners with all of your knowledge and wisdom. I know there's people that are going to be interested in tourmaline or maybe just interested if they're not in the San Diego area, just interested in like, hey, I wonder what birthing centers are near me. So um, thank you for inspiring people and doing your part to increase awareness in this area, which I think is so critical in our world right now is to better support the individual and specifically mothers. When we do that, the home changes. When the home changes, it trickles down to our communities, out into the world. Literally, our world can change if we support mothers (laughs) the way that you're talking about. Yeah. And thank you so much for what you're doing because so much of everything in the world, like opinions, so many people go to to social media Mm -hmm. for information. Yeah. And there's a lot of waste of time yeah. you know people listen to stuff that is not healthy information so i really appreciate appreciate that you guys are putting effort into spreading good information yes. and using this platform for positive because there's so much negative out there yeah so thank you very much mm, i received that um you guys definitely check out tourmaline collective go to their website their instagram like she said you can just call in and ask questions if you want if you guys liked this episode and you feel invited or you feel encouraged or inspired to share it that would be really really helpful um getting this information out there and and spreading this awareness so thank you in advance for helping us do that go spread some light and we'll talk to you soon okay bye If you liked this episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. This will ensure that every episode drops into your library automatically. Also, make sure you're following me on Instagram at Mimi underscore the medicine to learn more about our favorite health products, foods, and supplements we discuss on here, along with the discounts, visit themedicine.com forward slash medicine cabinet, or just check the show notes for this episode. Until next time, cheers, boo.